course, your home for Corn Pop Fancast. My name's Nathan, your most malarkey host. My name's Andy, your most relentlessly critical host. Ah, you took my malarkey one. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm riding with Biden. Pat, oh, you're, you're riding with Biden host. There you go. That's good. That's not, not great. Is it really the guy you want to ride with? You guys remember when I was cruising with Cruz? Ride or die. <laughs> you did love Ted Cruz, yeah. 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 Uh, you really, you want to ride with Biden? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get to all that in a second, but, uh, how was your week, guys? Yeah, pretty good. Good. All right, cool, good, good check-in. Let's get into uh, it. I'm working again, and, uh, it sucks because my knee is still injured, and, uh, well, I mean... <laughs> I uh, no longer have the option of running with a jumper, so it's basically like don't get paid or uh, re-injure your knee. That's so good. that's oh, fun. I've been um, I've been working out with my brother um, during lunch lately, which is nice. Um, we go, I go over to his house; he's got a bunch of equipment in his basement. We do a good uh, like metabolic workout, get a real good sweat going, and I go back home, come back home, and continue working because I work from home now. Um, but that's One of the frustrating things is whenever, like, there's a sharp increase in exercise, that means a sharp increase in calorie usage, um, which means I get sure. hungry, and so I eat more, and it's like it, nice. yeah, it's a, it, it requires leveling out, so, um, I'm still getting there on that, but right now I've been eating a lot lately. <laughs> well, are you nice? Are you still burning I'm, more? I'm than happy for you. Like taking in? I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm not weighing myself right now. I'm just are like you, doing are you the workout. Stronger though? Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm. So I'm yeah, definitely, it's, it's all gonna work itself out. Absolutely, absolutely. But like, for example, uh, for the draft on Thursday night, um. The NFL draft was Thursday night, and so I went and got, and I just ate a pizza. Where, where'd you, wait, wait. So, like. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's like a normal sitting for just, me, but yeah. Yeah, just to figure out what level of shame you should have on this, uh, where did you get your pizza? Oh, Little Caesars. I got the, Oh, um, no. I got the, you got the stuffed $5 pretzel ready. crust. No, oh. stuffed pretzel crust, man. Um, well, we've we talked about this before, but uh, Little Caesars is the uh, hands down the best value mm. uh, for pizza in the country, specifically because they early on in uh, Little Caesars run, they started a shipping company. And so Little Caesars is really just a shipping company that also makes pizza. And so for them to move their product from place to place is incredibly cheap. And so you you like they've done studies and you literally get way more for your money. <laughs> like if your goal is to have pizza, not any level of good pizza or whatever, but if your goal is just like P I Z Z A period, just normal pizza, you get the most pizza for your money. <laughs> yeah. Right, but they also use like the the cardboardiest absolutely like, crust yeah. and just like I'm buckets of grease. You can just like I, you can wipe it off. <laughs> just like, to be completely honest, like it's pretty much my go-to. Partially because it's close and it, and 
partially because it's cheap. But like, yeah. I love the their the deep dish. I mean, and you can get a comparable or better deep dish from somewhere else, like Jets or something. But like, yeah, but for twice but, as much, right? And I just is it is it it's not it's always so ready. much better that I mean like, they've got it that got I really care that much. Like, it's it's not like I'm getting a primo pizza here still. I'm upgrading minor quality. So I think for mine, I want to sort of keep on with the theme I've had the last several weeks. Um, my aunt, unfortunately, uh, died last week of just like the morning after we recorded last. Um, it, she, it was very peaceful. She mm-hmm. wasn't in any pain. I, I think it, for it being awful, it went as well as it could. I got to see my sister and my sister-in-law earlier today and found out that my sister-in-law's uncle is now dying of the same thing that just killed her dad. So it's just like, <laughs> like God. what? That's How? Is it like, it, eventually we have to run out of family, right? Like, eventually, this is going to stop. So, well, Yeah, in the same way ugh. that, like, the Republicans were going after herd immunity at the beginning of the pandemic. Hey, that would have worked. It just would have killed 7 million Americans. Which, to be honest, we didn't really need that many Americans. Yeah, that is true. What? That is, that is a good <laughs> environmental policy. So, I just well, like... Ugh. Okay, That's Thanos. true. If you want to reduce emissions... <laughs> That's, so I, that's probably I went the best over way. and uh, there was a, yeah. not for me because mm-hmm. I am a straight edge till the day I die. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, there was a lot of drinking earlier when I went to go hang out with them. Um, and uh, my sister-in-law and her sister were both over and both uh, deep in their cups, as <laughs> uh, they said back in the day. So um, but like, again, like as as good an attitude as they can possibly have on it. And, you know, none of this is a surprise. All of this has been, like, coming down the pike for years. So, whatever. Uh, <laughs> eventually, I planted some seeds uh, for tomato and basil. So, we'll see if those come up. I have a 100% failure rate nice. over the last several years of trying to uh, start stuff from seed. So... We'll see how that goes this year. So, but uh, should we get into it? Do you want to talk about the Joe Biden administration? Yeah, and, and I'm uh, on a more positive note. I'm one week closer to fully vaxxed, so that's good. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ooh. I am uh, four days away. Nice. So I think I think the same for me, right? Or you were maybe a day before me. Yeah, something like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, let's, Joe let's, Biden. let's so, hop yeah. into it. I mean, it's been the big hundo. That means 100. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Well, uh, today we're talking about 100 days of the Joe Biden administration. And uh, I think the reason we've been doing this, I just want to give a little bit of context, is Andy's been doing all, a whole lot of what I refer to as vague booking about a general malaise with the current administration. Would you say that's accurate, Andy? Um, Dissatisfaction, maybe? Yeah, I mean, so I just I, – I don't know how to say this other than I, I'm a malcontent when it comes to my <laughs> politicians. 
I have not yet met a politician <laughs> in office who's doing what I would call a good job. Right. I have yet to meet a politician that I don't hate. <laughs> I there have been no good pre- there have been no good presidents. I have a few favorite presidents, but I still am highly critical of them. So my my aunt Maggie, who was on the show a few times now, yeah, we love Maggie, friend of the pod. She was doing some research as like a semester in Washington D.C. a few years ago, and I went down with my mom to go visit her. And we're on this, like, double-decker tour bus thing and taking a little tour of D.C., but chit-chatting along the way. And she goes, she asked me something along the lines of, like, well, who is a good president to you? This was, I think, back during Obama. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, and I just started, like, a name would pop into my head. And I would immediately bat it down, like, oh, no, but he did this, 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 and this. And I, I, I don't know what to say other than I demand not perfection out of our leaders, but I demand that they be held accountable every time they misstep. And I don't, I mean, maybe I don't give enough praise when they do things I do like, but I just kind of feel like holding our leaders accountable and by the way, part of that means firing their ass if they do not do a good job. Right. Is is the cornerstone of democracy and of our liberal democracy. And liberalism is is a very big part of like kind of my um, philosophical framework. So. Right. Well, I, I I like how you have formatted this. You wrote a progress report, not a report card, and yet you've given him a letter grade. <laughs> on all of these. I just thought that well, that was a nice touch. Just mwah. You'll also see, I mean, that's what that's what happens on the progress report from the school. It has a letter grade sure. on there, but it's, it's just acknowledged that that is just a, this is just a snapshot. We're only a hundred days in this is three months into a four year term. Um, right. I think and and, arguably and, a lot of what he's had to do is triage. Right. So, well, specifically and that, that is maybe an, extra apt term because of the pandemic right well do you guys want to get into um COVID-19 I feel like that's a good jumping off point if I can say two more things just to like sort of frame this a little bit one I where Andy and I sort of get into arguments pretty often is I think the the bad job that the Democrats do is different than the bad job than the Republicans no, do. I, I, I agree that it's different. They do different types of bad jobs. Right. And I think the Republicans represent a clear and present danger to the country in a different way than the Democrats do. It's the Republicans, dagnabbit. I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I get the impression when you are talking about your disapproval with the Biden administration and probably the Obama administration too. It's more about your dissatisfaction with the system as a whole and how it's always been done. And what Biden at best represents is a return to normal and normal sucks. Well, I think that there's a remarkable continuity between the two, like the number of things that hasn't changed 
could really surprise someone who thought like, you know, the Trump administration was bringing about the end times. Well, I mean, here's 30 things that Joe Biden is doing exactly the same, you know? Well, and I think that's fair. Yeah. I think it's fine to say the Democrats suck. I have no problem with that. It's just they are sucking on an entirely different level in a different sport, in a different league than the Republicans are sucking. And that is just what I wanted to get out right off the bat. Well, yeah, that's a good jumping off point into healthcare, don't you think? Maybe, but um, I mean, just to kind of respond to Nathan's original thing, like, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think, though, I think <laughs> I just in my head, they are just it's not this teeter totter of like the one's badness right, you think, is completely unrelated. You think they're both unacceptable. Well, yeah, I think that like their 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 badness, one's badness does not affect or influence or change the size of the other's badness. So, like, I agree that the Republicans have a, a Mount Everest of WTF going on over there, <laughs> as the kids say. Um, <laughs> no one has ever that is a brand new sentence to the world. It has never been uttered by anyone oh, ever before. In that case, you're welcome, world. Anyway, the the Democrats have this other like pile of of awful that I also want nothing to do with. And just because it's a like one is a <laughs> a pile of dog and one is a pile of horse doesn't really make me inclined to want to pick one. Right. I'm just saying that one is a normal size pile of dog and the other one is a pile of horse that has just reached the moon. I guess. But like, so I still don't want to eat either. Right. They're both. And I think that's totally fair. Um, I'm just saying, so, like, in terms of to, like, <laughs> if you had to, the choice is obvious. I And we all had to last November. Uh, well, so here's what I will say. Um, Joe Biden, and this is no secret, Joe Biden was a senator from Delaware, of all states, like the banking state, for a long time. He and Obama engineered the bailout from the 2007-2008 crisis, which basically turned into a big, giant payoff for banks and screwed millions of Americans out of homes because they didn't, you know, read the fine print enough or something. Um, they were, it, it was a complicated thing. I don't want to, I don't want to oversimplify it, but Joe Biden basically orchestrated the coup in the Ukraine because they wanted to, you know, work with Russia instead of with the IMF and overthrew a democratically elected government in Ukraine to install a, gov- a puppet government and then sure. was the one who handled the puppeteering, basically. And that, by the way, for the record, I don't give a shit about Hunter Biden and if, if there is maybe some nepotism there. I, don't, I do not give a flying considering who's been sitting in the White House over the last four years, Ivanka Trump and 
Jared Kushner and these morons. So I don't care about that. But I have a big problem with the regime change stuff, and it, especially when right. we engage in regime regime change, claiming that we are uh, it's a pro pro democracy effort. When in fact you're overthrowing the democratically elected government only so that your banks will get their loans instead of Russia's. So like yeah, for economic reasons. Right. Here's the thing: they've already made moves to start regime change again, and we'll get into this. We'll get into this. But like Joe Biden has this history of he's not a malicious person. He doesn't really think of it as like doing a lot of harm and, and, and i think that's just because he's been a part of washington for so long that he doesn't really think of people as people in the same way that we peasants do um and he does the thing is though with joe biden is that out of the the washington politicians he is certainly one of the more empathetic and that i think has been his biggest accomplishment so far in office <laughs> That's not true. That's not having true. having the rhetoric of of liking people or, yes. or getting I, along with people. I it's not it certainly isn't his greatest accomplishment in office so far, but it is up there. So let's get into it. So let's talk because that's <laughs> a big part it. of it. Because um, yeah, right. We're like we're not already waist deep. COVID nineteen response and 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 healthcare reforms are definitely the one thing that. I think Joe Biden has more sympathy than almost anyone else who was on the Democratic primary stage. With his personal history of his losing his wife and daughter in a tragic car accident when he first was elected to the Senate, followed by losing his son in Afghanistan, I believe, or Iraq. No, his son was a veteran who died. He died of cancer. Yeah, that's right. Cancer. So he went through the healthcare system like Joe Biden has had to experience this, granted, on the cushy health care of a senator and vice president. But I think that he gets that our health care system does not feel helpful to people. Right. It feels like our adversary, and I think he gets that. So anyway, his big promise regarding, I mean, obviously the big health care crisis is COVID-19. So... Right out of the gates, his, his promise in, during the campaign was that he would have 100 million shots administered. In March, he made he doubled that promise to be 220 million. He also promised to open schools and expand testing and uh, and vaccine sites. So, so far, 230 million shots have been administered. That is... Yeah, 10 past the goal, right? Thumbs up. He did it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm 99% sure that that is 230 million shots since Biden entered office. But that's actually that's about 96 million Americans fully vaccinated. That's 29% of the country. Something else when he took office, uh, over 3,000 Americans were dying each day when he was inaugurated. Now we are down to under 700 people dying per day of COVID-19. So that is huge. Right. That is and one outs one thing I wanted to mention real quick is he was sort of like chided at the beginning by conservatives for like only agreeing to do 100 million people in the first 100 days. Yeah. And that's because Trump towards the end of his presidency was doing a million people a day. 
And so all he did was look at the math. And what I like, I applauded that because it was the first time we'd seen a a a promise made, a, a goal made based on facts on the ground. Like, I loved that he said we're going to do 100 million in the first 100 days because a million times 100 is 100 million. And then mm-hmm. and then halfway through, he realized they were doubling that. And so he said, we are setting a goal based on the facts on the ground. And he changed it. I love that. I loved it. Yeah, that's what you want, right, in, in this sort of uh, crisis. Right. Um, he has he's done a good job at creating more um, vaccine sites and mobile vaccine sites that are able to get into some of the rural areas. Right. He also has already rejoined the WHO, and you know we're, worth mentioning. I get you know not for nothing. Going back to my point earlier about Biden caring about people who are losing loved ones, mm-hmm. I. Trump never once cared how many people like that was never a target. He never talked about how many people were dying. You never heard it in his press press conferences, um, in his tweets. He was never I mean, thousands of people were dying each day and it wasn't even on his radar. Right. So it if I mean, it's stupid, but it's not the the idea of consoler in chief, I think, is one of the dumbest and yet most real roles of the president well a couple of things so like trump was concerned with that number but he was mostly concerned with how that number would affect his reelection. <laughs> but also i want to say that these are like it's it's great that we've rejoined the who it's great that we are vaccinating millions of people some of these are taking credit for work that the groundwork was put in by Trump. Like, yeah. I don't think that that can be overstated. And if you look at a number where, like, 3,000 Americans dying a day down to 700 dying a day, like, yes, that's tremendous. A lot of that's probably due to the vaccine. Maybe some of that is due to just fewer people who are vulnerable to COVID. Um, sure. Like, COVID has sort of run its course of the people that were, like, deliberately not masking, not social distancing, people who were vulnerable. Like, I mean, it is, at the same time, still running rampant in other countries, so we do have a way of testing, like, it certainly could be worse. So I don't want to give Biden too few credits on that, but... Mini Fat Check. So I sent Pat a Discord message just asking him where he sourced his information on this claim, and this is not a joke. He sent me back a picture that he made in paint describing what he was talking about. So, maybe it's not so outlandish, but the only thing backing it up is, you know, this paint document, which I will include in the doobly-doo, and which I will say is excellent excellent for a paint document mini fact check what i would say is i think i mean with all the variants that are obviously like you just pointed out perfectly able to wreak havoc in a country that's already had had a a big wave i think that shows that he's doing something right um to suppress it i think you know you make a good point about Trump really did lay the groundwork with Operation Warp Speed, 
I well, credit where credits do. Right, that, but he we made a we made a vaccine. Let's I'm let's not, be clear about what he did. What he did was set aside some of the red tape for how long it would take to get these vaccines to market. So right. did, I think for whatever credit he deserves for that, great. Let's give it to him. But also he did a thing that anyone would do and at the same time being the number one source for misinformation about the disease. So he gets a little bit of credit at the same time he gets all of the blame that he deserves. With a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light. And I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. Right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. Um, and, and something else to mention is that the first 30% of Americans were going to be pushing to get in the front of the line in the first place, regardless of anything Biden did. The real test is going to be getting the last 30% of Americans vac- right. vaccinated, the, the hesitant 30%, the third of Americans who are either concerned that about vaccines in general because of reasons concerned about microchips from Bill Gates, which I got to say so far, I've, I, I, I've liked mine. I like, thank you, Bill. Also, you know, there's a huge portion of the black population that has been basically screwed in everything healthcare, even more than everyone else for, for however many decades. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people still don't trust this stuff. Um, when you have the AstraZeneca and the Johnson and Johnson vaccines getting paused and, uh, you know, it creates a lot of hysteria when in, in a, an environment right now that's already tense as shit. I don't want to muck us up on this topic too much because like we still have a lot to cover, but I mean, I do want to say that like we, didn't test these vaccines for long-term effects we couldn't have right we we literally have not had time to test these vaccines for long-term effects so i mean i you know i don't encourage anyone to be hesitant on the vaccine but i guess we'll have to see right. what the long-term effects are like we're we're just gonna have to deal with that as right. opposed to dealing with covid um, so one other thing I want to mention on the topic of COVID-19 and healthcare is Biden, going back to the campaign, Biden was proposing pretty moderate adjustments to Obamacare, to the uh, Affordable Care Act in the first place. He was not really toting big sweeping changes. I think he flirted with the public option idea 
just to give you some idea oh, of yeah. just how much he is in your corner on health. No, care. he's he's never been on board with it. The idea that I want to eliminate private insurance, the reason why I had such a fight for with 20 candidates for the nomination was I support private insurance. No, he's not. And and obviously in terms of well, in terms of everything, that dealing with the pandemic comes first, but there hasn't been a peep on anything out out of the um out of the Biden administration about any sort of healthcare reforms to the Affordable Care Act until his State of the Union speech, where he did start talking a little bit about trying to expand Medicare to help bring down um, drug prices. Sure. Which makes you know whatever sense because of whatever funding he gets from Big Pharma. Right, but this is predictable, right? I mean, this is who Joe right. Biden is. Exactly. Joe Biden right. is the corporate president. We didn't get, like, the radical reform <laughs> We president. got another Clinton-Obama type. Right, if you I go mean, back and you listen to our episode that, where we talked about the various Democratic candidates that were available last year, you can all mm-hmm. hear how excited we were for a potential Joe Biden administration. <laughs> like, I think for all of us, he, he, he was, was like, right there, just barely above Michael Bloomberg. Right. He was like everybody's like second to last choice after Bloomberg. Like that's that's always what it was. But it just turns out that the second to last choice of Democrats was infinitely better than the only choice we had otherwise. I mean, well, uh, listen. Can I just say really quickly, because I, I hate that the every time, first first of all, every time that we say, well, this is the system we have, it just reinforces it. We ha- uh, But anyway, that's not the point I was going to oh, make. Yeah. The point I was going to make is I voted for Joe Biden because he was the best candidate on the ticket or on the uh, ballot to me. Right. It's not one or the other. It's here are the candidates. Which one is the best. Joe Biden was that. It's not a well, and we, high bar, and we, but like, he was and that we can, this time. We can talk about that, and I still want to yeah. do... We're, anyway, we're planning on, it's just a pet peeve. We're planning on doing an episode about what you should be doing now before election season rolls around again so that you can start making changes. But the thing is, once you're locked in to those two candidates, certainly this last time, because your options were Trump or Biden, it was a binary choice. And so we've had this discussion on the podcast many, many times. But like the yeah, like there right were... now we need to be like if that's important to you, what you need to be doing is doing the work so that way you don't have a binary choice next time. So grade? Letter grade? So on um, I, I give them a um a, a tentative B plus. I think he's been doing a good solid job on pandemic relief. As the pandemic goes away and it's moving forward, that grade could drop if he does not, if he if he doesn't do anything else to help with healthcare. Right. Um, yeah, is this? I was going to ask, is this a healthcare grade that's just like wildly tilted towards coronavirus now? Y- well, yeah, because that's the healthcare. Like crisis on the board. If he were, I I think it's understandable that he hasn't done anything more broad for healthcare reform yet because of the pandemic. But as that fades into the background, there are big, big um, reforms needed to our healthcare system. 
So think, <laughs> we'll see. Based on what he said on the campaign trail, my guess is he's going to go from, for me, from a B to an F awfully quick. I don't disagree. I think he's probably going to drop off quite a bit, but we shall see. We'll get to something, uh, a couple of things later that, well, actually, here, coming up. So that it brings me to economics. His economic stuff is is all focused around Build Back Better. So far, they have passed, Biden and, and congressional Democrats have passed the Partisan American Rescue Plan, <laughs> which allocates $1.9 trillion to create jobs. About 1 million jobs were created in March alone. Unemployment has dropped. GDP has grown astronomically, about 7%, depending on what source, give or take. So, you know, um, coming out of a deep recession does kind of grease the wheels on that kind of economic growth a little bit. But if we peek back in history to the 2008 recovery that he and Obama orchestrated, it was very, it was slow. And experts in retrospect have mostly said too slow. They should have done more. They could have done more. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. So first of all, Andy's right. If you take the last 11 recessions since the Depression, you get an average length of 27 months. Under Obama, it took just over 76 months for the recession to recover all its jobs. Second of all, though, Andy's wrong. According to a 2019 study out of Stanford that you'll find in the doobly-doo, not all recessions are the same. What the researchers found is that a specific type of recession can take much longer to recover from, and those recessions involve credit bubbles and busts. Specifically, financial crises that involve a surge or bubble in easy credit followed by big losses, panicky reversals, and credit crunches. This description fits the 2009 housing market crisis perfectly, and following these guidelines, the recovery actually happened a little faster than you might expect it to have happened. So was Andy right or wrong? You be the judge. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. But but slow uh, and so slow Biden and is steady, trying right? to do like, more now. It went up the like basically his entire presidency. It was steady. It was steady. It was steady around I think like three to four percent <laughs> growth year over year and, under Obama for most of that time, which is good. And that growth continued like, on into the Trump presidency. Until he started to destroy it with his tax cuts and then right. with his, I'm using air quotes here, but his pandemic response. Yeah, so it seems like the big, bold plan is doing what it's supposed to and make bigger, affect the economy, economic growth faster. So that's the American Rescue Plan. He has also rolled out and announced um, parts of his upcoming American Jobs Plan and the American Families Plan. So we've got Rescue, Jobs, Families, which those other two combined will spend about another $4 trillion, trillion with a T. So that's around $6 trillion. And a lot of these things are going to, so at least the way he conceives it, and we haven't seen these plans so we don't know exactly what's going to be in them and how they're going to be put together. But the the goal behind it is to really focus on benefiting the struggling lower middle classes. They're going to 
first create a, just tons and tons of jobs in his State of the Union. He said 75% of the jobs created will not even require an associate's degree. So jobs and jobs that anyone can get. Uh, he talked about expanding the child tax credits and, and universal pre-K. He talked about a lot of things, but that's just the thing is it's all just talk right now. These are, these are not laws. These are just Joe Biden and the Democrats wish list. Right. And I think it's really, you know, it's worth pointing out that the Republicans see it that way. This is just their, their ridiculous wish list and them. We're not going to give in to their socialism. And I think, you know, for what it's worth here, we went through a lot of over the campaign trail where Trump would say, like, oh, he's a he's going to be a Trojan horse for the radical left agenda. And we all laughed that off. But between these three plans, six trillion dollars to stimulate the economy kind of lends a little bit of um credence to that yeah he's he's like i i I, this has been the most like like i have to give them credit this has been the most progressive u.s presidency in history i mean and mostly it's because joe biden brings in uh smart people he disagrees with he listens to the expert and then he makes choices based on what they've told him Right, I have to say that I like the rhetoric here um, that Joe Biden's been saying, like, we're going to make sure that this winds up in the hands of the lower class, middle class Americans and not in the hands of banks, such as, like, you know, the bailouts and the, uh, you know, the housing crisis recovery and all sorts of things like that, that, that it just wound up being a vehicle for venting tax money into corporations' hands. And it fueled the inequality. And and that's one of the things that I love about this is it really focuses on tightening up that inequality instead. But we don't know how he's going to screw it up yet. <laughs> you're at, I, It's like you're reading my mind. <laughs> when we find out how he will screw it up, then we can actually give this like a more appropriate letter grade. But I gotta say that the rhetoric, the rhetoric is on point. Yeah, agree. I gave him, I, I gave him a B, um, a, I even say a B plus on this. I think one of the, so one of the things about these plans that strikes me is there's a, uh, it breaks down. I think somewhere around like uh, maybe around a half of this these plans are like kind of short-term things, um, infrastructure projects uh, like roads, highways, installing broadband, uh, social infrastructure, which, by the way, I 100% am behind a broader concept of what infrastructure in our modern society means. Um, Republicans seem hell-bent on infrastructure means roads, and I don't really understand why they do that. Because they, they don't care about poor people. Some right, a, a huge chunk of this stuff is just is very specifically and very clearly get us out of this recession type um, legislating, whereas the other portion of it is long term building a better society. The the universal pre K is one that I'm I'm a huge supporter of um, for a few reasons. 
first of all, for the kids, I'm, you, you know me, I, education is the core to success of any society, especially a liberal democratic society. Um, so helping kids, especially kids in poor areas who don't have access to um, preschool and often, and I used to work with these kids, they would be getting into first, second, third grade without being able to read. They, I have worked with a sixth grader who couldn't write her name. Um, right, and the like, and just from a pure economic standpoint, the dividends you get back on these dollars you, you put invest in, in kids educating kids is oh insane. It's and, such a good investment. But here's the cool part: is you don't have with, with a, a universal pre-K, you don't have to wait until those kids graduate from college to get that economic kickbacks because you're also making it easier for their parents to and yeah. be in the workforce and then and obviously by being in the workforce they're they're better consumers and that drives the you know you get that economic growth right there as well so it's just such a common sense everyone wins type thing it does however Make it more difficult for the rich to get richer on the backs of the working class, though. Yeah, which is so, is a drawback, you know. I would just say that you're you're wrestling with the English language a little bit. Maybe we need a word that's specific to um, the kind of infrastructure that you mean. Like we just need a word that says, you know, this is going to help people get back to work. This is going to help people uh, get their kids educated. Infrastructure. If you're just looking at at what that means, I think you are talking about like brass tacks. You're talking about like physical things that you build rather than services that well, you but provide. Like broadband internet I, is a physical installation. I mean, I embrace I embrace that idea of that's a worthy thing for us to be investing in. But I don't know if I call it infrastructure. Well, and honestly, I kind of think you're right, Pat, in that I think certainly the general definition of infrastructure involves these, like, physical systems. You're, like, communication networks, sewage, water, electric, things like this. And now broadband certainly falls under that now in a way that it hasn't in the past. But... I think Democrats are starting to see like, oh, there are all these other important things that are on our radar that we want to push through, and this is a way to do it, and we can do it with 51 votes. Yeah. Well, uh, if I mean, we, that's really a nitpick so, uh, for me. That's not that's not a, a hill I'm going to die so, right. on. Right. No, but I, I what I'm saying is I think I think you're right, and I think this is a strategic choice. So I think what like when Republicans say like that's not traditional infrastructure, like. Yeah, dog, you're right, but you won't vote on this stuff in any other form, so this is what you get. Right, well, so, and, and just in defense of this, I mean, I'm, I'm on Merriam-Webster right now, definition of infrastructure, three definitions. One, the system of public works of a country, state, or region, also the resources such as personnel, buildings, or equipment required for an activity. Two, the underlying foundation or basic framework as of a system or organization. And three, the permanent installations required for military purposes. I mean, even just it's quick <laughs> quick look up on, on Merriam-Webster seems to include such things as even universal pre-K in that, because that is a resource required, um, or, or that's an underlying foundation 
or basic framework for for our society. So 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 why why is this I mean, issue whatever. important? The reason that this that this wording is important is because Democrats are passing this through with budget reconciliation. Budget right. reconciliation allows them to lower the threshold of votes that they need in order to pass legislation. Right. It basically means that Republicans can't filibuster in that way where they just say, we want to filibuster and then you need 60 votes, which will never happen. But the thing is, Democrats only get, I believe it's two of these um, before they run out. So I think they they're get, trying to pack as many into this vote, as many things in this vote as they can. So they get, uh, well, Congress has to pass one of these per year or, or gets to pass one. I don't know if they have to, but um, one per year. But the Senate, they, uh, Congress can, or, or I guess the Senate can pass one bill as budget reconciliation per year. However, the Senate parliamentarian, Elizabeth McDonough, decided that this year the Senate could pass two because they didn't pass one last year for reasons. Okay. Because... That sounds good. I don't know. Something happened in 20... in whatever last year was. I don't remember. And it has to have to do with the budget. If you're going to use this rule in order to push legislation through, right. it has to be about money. Well, yeah, there's actually three – technically, I think you can they can pass three um, budget reconciliation bills, but there's three different types. Um, and really, only they only pass one of those. Um, spending, spending, revenue, and the federal yes, debt limit. Thank you. Um, they haven't passed anything on the debt in decades now. I think spending is the main one that's that matters, and then ta- and then what was it? Taxing. Yeah, spending, revenue, and federal debt limit. Yeah, revenue. So like they're not revenue. They're not passing anything to raise taxes, and they're not passing anything to raise the debt limit. So those two types of budget reconciliation largely go unused. But the spending budget reconciliation bill is the one that they're taking advantage of now and will pretty much be trying to take advantage of with these next two. So they they technically get one more this year and then another one next year. So that would be all three of these Biden plan bills. Well, and then chances are pretty good in 2022, Senate switches hands back to Republicans because... Mm-hmm. That's where the Senate likes to stay. I want uh, worth looking up another time. I wonder what, what senators are up for re-election in 2022. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. You know what, Andy? Go to hell. Every time you say something like this offhandedly, I have to go and look up the information and then record a fact check. It's a whole thing. So you know. Anyway, there are 34 Senate seats up for re-election in 2022, and because I love you, the listener, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to read off 34 names to you. I'm just that kind. So, here's the deal. I'm going to include all the details in the doobly-doo. I've linked to dailypress.senate.gov where you can find the specific details. So, if that's something that interests you, go find out. In the meantime, there are 14 Democratic seats up for re-election in 2022. Every single one of those senators will be running again. 
there are a total of 20 Republican seats up for re-election, and because the Republicans run out anybody who isn't 100% an insane liar, five of the senators who are in those seats will be retiring at the end of their term. So, 20 total Republican seats, 14 total Democratic seats, for a total of 34. So, there you go. Anyway, go f*** yourself, Andy, and let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the domestic issues, because there's a lot of stuff. America's going through it, some stuff right now. So, a lot of social domestic issue stuff were brought up in in the uh, election, <laughs> obviously, because uh, it was held during a pandemic when cops were actively murdering people on the streets and clearing out peaceful protesters so that Trump could take a weird photo op in front of a church. Love that moment. That's just a highlight um, in American history down, for me. Upside down. He's 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 just God. the the least Christian person oh. you've ever oh. seen. Just <laughs> holding the Bible upside down. Okay. You mentioned the Bible. You've been talking about how it's your favorite book, and you said I think last night in Iowa. Some people are surprised that you say that. I'm wondering what one or two of your most favorite. Bible uh, verses are. Well, I, I wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal. So I don't want to get into there's verses. No, I don't no want to get into. A, there's no, no I, verse I, that means I a lot just, to you that you think about or cite. The, the Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics. Even to cite a verse that no, you like. No, I don't want to do that. You're I mean, an Old Testament guy or a New Testament guy? Uh, probably equal. I think it's just an incredible. The whole Bible is an incredible. I joke. Uh, very much so. They always hold up the art of the deal. I say my second favorite book of all time. But uh, I just think the Bible is just something very special. Yeah. I'm just glad police have stopped murdering people in the streets. Right. So uh, they oh. have not oh. stopped murdering people uh, in the streets. Shoot. You, yeah. So some of these issues, right? There's the LGBTQ rights, especially a lot of trans hate going on these days. There's police oversight. There's gun reform. There's country unity there's inequality there's racism there's union stuff going on and there's big issues with ethics uh and political independence in government institutions especially appointed government officials so real quick um in terms of lgbtq stuff he did reverse the trans military ban and he appointed the first (laughs) trans person to a it's not a cabinet level position i don't think but it's like one of those senior go- government officials i think it is it's it's a junior cabinet level position, oh, is it a junior yes. guy? anyway so like yeah. a very high ranking government official first trans person to be that high or openly trans person to be that high in government which is awesome and representation totally matters but there hasn't been much else dr rachel levine for what it's worth yes Thank you. Um, yeah, but there hasn't been much else, and it's a really important issue to me. He, he said he was going to appoint an LGBTQ special envoy, and he hasn't even done that, which seems remarkably easy to do, because you just name someone. So, like, I, I, I feel like I understand that it may not be the top, top priority right now, but he could, it, it wouldn't be hard to at least just do that. Fill that seat. I've got my fingers crossed for Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, 
If anyone were to have gay dreams about one of us, it would be me. I mean, look at me. What's what's the special envoy do? Uh, I, I it was some it was a position that he not was going clear? to create, um, and then he just sort of okay. like didn't. I, it was I believe to look into hate crimes and and stuff like that, uh, discriminatory practices in, in hiring right. and firing in, in employments, that sort of thing. But I don't know that it was super clear. I didn't really read much details on that. So Biden hasn't really he kind of backed down on policing reform almost entirely himself. He instead has allowed Attorney General Merrick Garland to, uh, you know, for what it's worth, this is something that used to be done before the last president, but wasn't done during the last administration. Mm-hmm. Something called a practice and procedure, I think, or procedure and practice investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department, which is something that's supposed to investigate what are they train, how are they training these cops? Is this you know, what, why do why does this sort of thing keep happening? Right. Is there a pattern of force? And if so, how has it been allowed to continue? That's what it is. Pattern or procedure. Yeah. So, yes, exactly. But there's also um, Congress has has the um, the George Floyd Act. Do you want to talk about that? It's uh, H.R. 7120. And I mean, I can talk about it a little bit. It lowers the uh, criminal intent standard from willful uh, to knowing or reckless yeah it limits qualified immunity as a defense to liability in a private civil action against law enforcement officers state correctional officers etc it offered authorized the department of justice to issue subpoenas investigations of police departments for a pattern or practice of discrimination that might sound familiar uh, basically it makes it easier to hold police accountable when they commit acts of violence. Yeah. The biggest part of that to me is the first one you said, which is a big part of why Derek Chauvin was convicted and is going to be a big thing in future conversations about this. The the criminal intent standards uh, from being willful to knowing. Yeah. You just have to know that what you're doing could could hurt or kill this person. You don't have to be intending to kill or hurt them right you just have to be aware that you could have that you can't right you put your knee on their neck for nine and a half minutes there's a reasonable uh, expectation that you would know that would kill a person yes and you should be held responsible and, and whether or not you meant to kill him right i want to tie this back to biden is this one of biden's big policy issues is this something yeah, that he's, biden's in favor of and and proposing absolutely. he's he's called for it from the podium multiple times take this up and pass this yeah okay great last summer together with senator cory booker and representative karen bass i introduced the george floyd justice and policing act this bill would hold law enforcement accountable and help build trust between law enforcement and our communities. This bill is part of George Floyd's legacy. The President and I will continue to urge the Senate to pass this legislation, not as a panacea for every problem, but as a start. This work is long overdue. America has a long history 
of systemic racism. Black Americans and black men in particular have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Black men are fathers and brothers and sons and uncles and grandfathers and friends and neighbors. Their lives must be valued in our education system, in our healthcare system, in our housing system, in our economic system, in our criminal justice system, in our nation. Full stop. It was introduced in the House last June, June 8th of last year. So it's been there and nothing's happened with it. Right. My fellow Americans, we have to come together to rebuild trust between law enforcement and the people they serve, to root out systemic racism in our criminal justice system, and to enact police reform in George Floyd's name that passed the House already. I know Republicans have their own ideas and are engaged in a very productive discussions with Democrats in the Senate. We need to work together to find a consensus. But let's get it done next month by the first anniversary of George Floyd's death. Yeah, no, it's not a new bill. Um, well, I mean, it's fairly, I guess it's less than a year old, but um, right. but it's not a Biden new bill. Yeah, it was introduced under the Trump administration. Um, but that's just the thing is Biden really has, and, and also same thing with gun reform, Biden and, and a few other things, he seems to want to, he wants to let the attorney general run the Justice Department, which... I love that. Yeah. Because it's like what he said while he's on the campaign trail and he's reiterated it since then is that I will not do what this president does and use the Justice Department as my vehicle to insist that something happen. There are a number of investigations that I've read about that are at a state level. There's nothing at all I can or cannot do about that. It's not his private organization to do what he wants with. Like, they uphold the law. They investigate the law based on what the, how they see fit. It's not his place to say, go after this person or don't go after this person for that matter. Right. Well, and, and the other side of that coin is Merrick Garland, who I just – I am – falling in love with him as attorney general right now because what, what he keeps talking about is and he's he's always been like he's just always been a, a, a hell of a, a of a guy like a, a high character kind of, kind of person right. um but he keeps talking about um how the justice department needs to be seen like they need to try to be seen do being fair um right they, yeah and because, and he, he's saying it without saying it, but because whoever the last person was in office, I can't think of his name. Um, Carter. Or, or her name, Carter? I'm not sure. Um, uh, was using the, as we just kind of have been pointing out for the last year and a half on this podcast, <laughs> using the Justice Department as his personal legal firm. And, and firing anyone who won't. Right. Right. Until he found... Bill Barr, who is basically the devil. Right, but I, I, I'm not sure that this 
is the administrator. Well, he actually pretty much fired at the very end there because he wouldn't hold keep telling the big lie that Trump lost the election, by the way, side note. But anyway, sorry, Pat, right. go ahead. Sorry, Pat. Um, well, so uh, I don't know that this is the administration of reforming police. But just based on the, the, the record of Harris and Biden, I could be pleasantly surprised. Um, right. But I, I think that these these two people, like, have made their careers on the continuation of this system and this type of policing. It, 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 would, right. it would surprise me to see sweeping police reform come out well, of this administration for what it's worth pat the like that's actually exactly why i am so happy that he is just sort of stepping back and letting merrick garland run this stuff because mm-hmm. i because it's it makes it so that it the justice department is going to and and, and they are kind of the head cops is going to be acting and making these decisions independent of what biden and harris who have as you rightly point out, sketchy past uh, track records regarding law right. enforcement. Um, and, and it kind of takes them out of the I future. certainly take your point, though, because the whole reason, at least I, and I think like all of us maybe, were so upset when Harris was chosen was because she's a cop. Yeah. David Campos is a former member of San Francisco's police commission, which oversees the police department. He also worked with Harris when they were both deputy city attorneys. Do you believe that she sided with the police too much? Yeah, I believe so. I believe that she did not do enough to hold uh, law enforcement accountable. As the state's attorney general, Harris did not intervene in a series of high-profile officer-involved shootings. But she's also faced criticism from police unions. In 2004, she refused to seek the death penalty for a man who killed a San Francisco officer. I mean, she's she's worked with cops in the past. She like she was a prosecutor. She has defended cops. She has had a super sketchy past. But I will say this administration has surprised me multiple times since they took over. So I I don't know. I genuinely yeah. don't know. But again, so what far, they're going to do so far, all they've really done is bark at Congress. So moving right. moving on to the next thing, same issue here with gun reform. Um, all that they have done right now is bark at Congress, and we've had mass shootings on the rise again. Attorney General Merrick Garland keeps talking about ghost guns, but that's like the most we've heard out of them about right. anything and... to you know other than just oh this is a tragedy and we we you know thoughts and prayers. Isn't that a meme I'm... at this point? Has anyone? I mean, have have it, ghost guns been linked to any mass shootings at all? Like yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I don't think that this is a real issue. I think that this is this is a meme at this point. It's a scarecrow. It doesn't. Yeah, it won't make it like the ghost gun issue. Which, for those of you who don't know, I believe ghost guns are these guns that are assembled from various parts that have no serial numbers. So basically, like you can create a gun that has no source. It like seemingly came from nowhere, a la the ghost gun thing. Sure. If but, there's a loophole that we, we are selling these kits and acting like they're not guns and they're not being regulated like guns, like sure, go ahead and close that loophole. I'm, I'm not even pro any gun legislation and I'll approve of that, you know? Right. But I also like, I think that's probably best practices. I also think that universal background checks is best practice. And I think it's a good thing to introduce. I think it certainly has, 
the, uh, I think, 90% plus approve of it happening. But the thing is, I I don't know that it's going to have that much of an effect ultimately on, like, mass shootings or, like, violence in general. I think we should introduce as many best practices as we can, but, like, let's not pretend like the ghost guns are going to save a ton of lives. 100%. There, people are just going to find a different way to get that gun. Right. I want to step on the accelerator here because we do still have a lot more to get through. But, like, he hasn't done a lot there. Um, Unity. National unity. Um, Yikes. You know, one of his big things was Biden wants to, like, try and heal the soul of the nation. And he wants to try and reunite the two political parties in their quest for political domination and total domination over our lives. So far... The Republicans have valiantly resisted that effort. Um, yeah, they've they've been invited to participate. Like when <laughs> when they they, they keep getting in, invited to the table, refusing, and then getting pissy, saying, "Well, why didn't you invite us to the table?" Well, no, the the <laughs> last thing I think the last thing that they did was having to do with getting checks out to people. The original uh, bill called for 1.9 trillion. And they came in and were like, but how about six hundred billion instead? Like, all right, if you like, you're welcome to come in and we'll talk to you. But if you're not gonna right. like bring a real proposal, what what the f- do you well, expect? And go home. And don't forget that like their answer for like when they're when Democrats are like, well, where did where did you cut all the money from? Well, we're not we're giving everyone like eight dollars and forty two cents. <laughs> oh, but but our corporate friends, they're going to get billions of dollars in, in tax. So, yeah, it was – I think it's a good goal to try and have the two parties work together. But when you have one party that doesn't want to do that, you you can't – you you can't force them to come to the table. Right. You can't well, I like think, make you can't make the Republicans act in good faith if they don't want to. And I think that the Democrats are more or less handling it appropriately here, where they are, you know, in in the House, they're like, to they're giving opportunities for they're they're inviting the Republicans to the table. They're being seen inviting the Republicans to the table. Most important. Right. And even if the Republicans are saying, well, they're not really inviting it, like they're, it's not in good faith, they aren't even taking that opportunity. So I, then I think the, Dem- the Democrats are perfectly justified in saying, well, look, all right, if, if you don't even want to come and like have a serious discussion about things, we're just going to go forward with it in a partisan way. And it's, you know, we we wanted to to talk it over, but you didn't. So I, I'm I'm fine with how they're handling it, even right. though it kind of like if it was normal times, I would have big problems with that sort of behavior out of Congress because the point of Congress really is supposed to be to come to the table and come to agreements and and I mean compromise. I but. We have this system that, like, a bipartisan bill scares me more than a partisan bill most of the time. Because I'm I, now I know that there's two people fighting over, uh, two people who don't have my interests in mind fighting over 
what is going to, you know, affect what's going to affect me. So, right. Um, at any rate, uh, I, he, so Biden's approval rating right now is around 57%, which is meh, compared <laughs> to other presidents at a hundred days. So they started measuring this in, I mean, for FDR, what it's worth. So yeah, for what it's worth, Trump never cracked 50. No, Trump was somewhere around, I think 43 at the first hundred days. Um, and his, and Biden's uh, approval rating on uh, coronavirus is 85% right now. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, listen, I think given the political climate that he stepped into office into, I think he's doing fine. He is so good at, and this is what I was saying earlier, he's so good at the falling upstairs. <laughs> He is super. He no. is no. Although Andy, he is very good at that. Don't don't even try and take that away good. from it. He's pretty good. He's got nothing on Mitch McConnell on that one. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and include that video in the doobly doo <laughs> if you want to see uh, Joe Biden fall up the stairs and then get up and fall down the stairs again and then get up include and the Mitch. fall down the stairs again. Well, I, I don't know what the Mitch one is. But it's when he was going up on the stage. Oh my God! I'll find it. Um, I bet you that there's somewhere like a just a, a, a YouTube compilation video of like mm-hmm. Benny Hill music and politicians tripping. Maybe this is somewhere where they can find unity. Yeah. <laughs> if we have them like if we just have them both like meet on like escalator machine, like on an escalator <laughs> and like have to like keep on walking the entire time. American Ninja Warrior. Uh, anyway. Um, it's like octogenarian PT. Okay. Um, so physical therapy, by the way, not, I don't know what else PT might mean, but probably something dirty. PT cruiser. Well, that's disgusting. Regardless of, I, I think that they're doing the right thing in passing these bills this way. I think that they're doing what they have to do right now to get the country out of a really bad place. And I think the Democrats are surprisingly doing a good job of actually kind of largely putting our interests ahead of their corporate sponsors with these bills for the most part. I have not read the bills, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, But the thing is that regardless of whether that's the right thing for them to do or not, the Republicans are still using it to throw fuel on the fire of their base. And... I'm worried about how, you know, how much are they going to be, how how heavily are they going to keep fanning those flames? Are they going to just try and use that to fuel, um, you know, a, a, a resurgence in the 2022 elections? And are they, <laughs> they are playing with fire here and they have been and it's burned them already and they're continuing to do it and I don't understand it. But well, like, I think it's the, real. The disunity issue, like, I need a little bit of time to recover from January 6th. And I think the time that I need to recover from January 6th is, like, maybe, like, maybe three or four years. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I just need a little bit of time to not worry about the unity issue. So, Well, and Republicans have already started backtracking and calling those people heroes and... It's the Republicans, dagnabbit. Trying to defend what happened on that day. It's yeah, they, I don't think they've Demo- gone. 
they've gone from the party of national security to the party that defends terrorists right. awfully quick. I just don't think the Democrats are in the driver's seat of unity. So, like, you, to hold Democrats accountable to, um, like, well, you're not working for unification. Like, uh, right. okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> what else? You know, I think, and listeners, check out Lee Drutman. I think I've brought him up before, but... He's an author, wrote a book called The Two-Party Doom Loop, where he outlines very well how this spiral could very well lead to breaking up of the two-party system. I don't want to get my hopes up too much because right. that it's like if the Browns won the Super Bowl. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right. All right. One other thing I need to mention on domestic issues. He did this executive order that requires appointees to take an oath to be ethical, which Hmm. like, I understand that there's not like a lot you can do. It's complicated to try to rebuild faith in the, the watchdogs built into the government, like the inspector generals that are there. Um, You know, if, if those inspector generals can get fired, if they, open an investigation fired by the president for opening an investigation into the president or one of the president's friends, then that's, that's a big problem. And like, I don't really have a good solution, but making them promise not to be naughty is probably not going to solve the issue. Snoochie boochies. Who the talks like that? That is baby talk. No, but I think it's fine. Like, <laughs> at worst, it's nothing. Right. But it's not bad. There's no way to paint it as being a bad thing. No. It's just, like, it is what it is. Yeah, it's kind of just a wet noodle sort of thing. But, like, okay, I have no problems with it other than... I'll include that in the doobly-doo as well, if you're interested in reading more about it. All right, speed run. Um, so, overall, okay, domestic issues. I'm giving him a C- minus on domestic issues. Basically, like... Well, I guess he's not actively inciting violence, so he's got that going for him. And we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Hey, already better than the previous administration, so. Yes, it's sad that that's a win. Um, Okay, foreign relations. Oh, this is great. Okay, So his promises were to rejoin and rebuild our position of prominence and trustworthiness in international organizations such as the WHO, Paris, Climate Accords, uh, the Iran nuclear deal, um, reestablishing our our prominence in NATO, etc. He also promised a ton of immigration reform um, and reversing of Trump era reforms. So what did we get? Um, we rejoined the WHO and the Paris Climate Accords almost immediately, so two thumbs way, way up on those things. Um, granted, they both need to be improved themselves. Being a part of them is the way to be, not by just leaving. Um, we have right. not rejoined the Iran nuclear deal yet. Um, they're working on it. We'll see. They're, this is going to be a contentious contentious issue um he did reverse trump's anti-muslim bans and some of his other racist bullshit um that made it easier to arrest and deport immigrants well but also like just on uh, like stopping and arresting and deporting immigrants 
that Trump like encouraged uh, with some of his uh, executive orders. Right. Some some of the more aggressive ICE mm-hmm. uh, actions have been paused at least. Yes. Um. And he did also stop production on that dumb f***ing wall. Um, <laughs> the dumb wall, did you guys see the story about how people have been using, like, $5 worth of materials to build these, like, makeshift ladders to get over the wall? And that the ladders are so cheap to make that they just leave them at the wall? <laughs> like, it's, nice. it is ludicrous. It costs $12 million a mile to make <laughs> and costs $5 to beat. It's ridiculous. Mini Fat Check. Try around 20 million per mile. That information and information about how to build your own $5 ladder will all be in the doobly-doo. Mini fact check. So, meanwhile, while all this is going on, there's this huge pileup at the southern border. And this is a very complicated issue and I don't know that we really have enough time to get into all the nuances of this in, in this episode. We for sure don't. I would love to maybe explore this some more in a later episode, but basically... Um, the so monstrous policies of the last administration the- have gone away, and people know about that. The Biden administration have been telling people not to come to the uh-huh. border to seek asylum, that uh, they are working on the problem... These detention centers, which are only meant to hold people for 72 hours, are holding them for 100 plus hours because they are not – they were never built to deal with this many people. And the Biden administration is also trying not to cram them as packed as the Trump administration did because their goal is to actually help people instead of torturing them into leaving the country. Um, did I cover everything? I gotta get yeah. my two cents in here that I think that nothing has changed at the southern border. Um, we're still putting people into the same detention centers. We still have the same problems with unaccompanied minors being held for longer than they're legally sure. allowed to be held for. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's great that there's a different label on it now. Uh, I I think it's the same the same issue, but you know, we we don't have really time to. to what actually. I what I will say is they I think. For now, I am I am ready to be furious at the administration, but I am willing to give them some time because of the complicated nature of what's going on down there, and because it, it's been a hundred days, they haven't had enough time to fix this yet. At the same time, as the frankly, warm weather makes the trip from Mexico more survivable. So every year you see a huge spike at this time. It happens every year. And so sure, there's a reason why they, like these numbers are going up at the same time as Biden takes over. I'm sure there are numbers jumping also because it's the Biden administration and more importantly, the not Trump administration where these people are going to be treated humanely at least as best we can. So we need better facilities, and I think they're working on it. I'm going to put it in fact check here because there's a bunch of different complicated issues that come up because of this, and I don't want to, like, mm-hmm. ramble about them. I'd like to uh, do a more concise fact check. So, yeah. 
But yeah, I'm 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 happy to share okay. the the same um, anger I had for the Trump administration if this continues to be a problem and they don't work towards fixing it. I've seen numbers that say like, oh, they're they're worse, oh, they're better than the Trump. I don't know. I, I really don't know the 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 right numbers. You know, I haven't done the deep dive, so I'll be interested to hear that fact check as well. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. This is a complicated one, and we're definitely going to have to do a full episode on it at some point, but here we go. First things first, if you hear a conservative talking about this issue, there's a good chance they're lying. Integration has been used as a trigger to boost support of racist conservatives for decades, and lies are a common ploy used to push the narrative. For decades, you've heard from Republicans that there's a growing humanitarian and security crisis at the southern border. The truth is that according to Customs and Border Protection, apprehensions have dropped by more than 75% since 2000. You've heard that the southern border is a pipeline for vast quantities of legal drugs. The truth is that the vast majority of drug trafficking is done by flying drugs into the country and even just sending them through the mail. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. The truth is that undocumented immigrants are far less likely to commit crime than citizens for fear of being deported, so in fact, bringing migrant populations into the U.S. actually makes it safer. Okay, so what is Biden doing about the situation at the border? He raised the U.S. refugee cap to 62,500 in 2021 and has pledged to raise it to 125,000 in 2022. It is fair to say that he did this after dragging his feet for a while. He's called for more refugees to come from Africa, the Middle East, and Central America, and has called for an end to restrictions on resettlements from Somalia, Syria, and Yemen. A proposal to restore protections to immigrants from Haiti, El Salvador, and certain African countries who were until recently protected from deportation reportedly prompted the president to question, why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? He then suggested that the United States should instead bring more people from countries like Norway. In April, there were over 178,000 people arrested crossing the border, an all-time record in a single month. 16,933 of them were unaccompanied children. These children were held in processing facilities by Customs and Border Patrol, which really seems to feel like the Trump era, doesn't it? The big difference here is that by early May, the number of children held by CBP dropped by 88%. Those children were transferred to Health and Human Services for temporary, humane resettlement until their cases are heard by the courts. The Biden administration also doesn't use children as a way to frighten and attack families by separating them from their parents. Trump's zero-tolerance policies rip families away from each other as a penalty, and as of mid-April, there are still an estimated 1,000-plus children abducted by the Trump administration who haven't been reunited with their families. The Biden administration has started a task force with the goal of reuniting those families. Okay, I have to go into speed mode now. Who knew that immigration would be so complicated? 
Biden has suspended the Wait in Mexico policy. He's proposed a major immigration bill that, in addition to other things, would offer protections for dreamers. He's halted all construction of Trump's border wall, but still hasn't fixed the problems of property seized by the Trump administration through eminent domain. There's so much more to talk about, and I've left tons of stuff out, but, as always, look in the doobly-doo for more information. All in all, there are still massive problems to deal with, but massive efforts are being made to fix them. Anyway... Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. I would like to move on to hot topics from carryover from previous administrations, really. Russia and China. These are two dominant or prominent, I should say, world powers. China is a dominant world power. Russia is weird, but <laughs> they're there and they have nuclear weapons, so... They are important, and they have influence over other countries and people who are intimately tied in with the American banking system, mm-hmm. for example, don't like that. Huh. I wonder why. So, huh. People like, say, El Presidente Jose Biden. Josephus. Is that the... Anyway, Joe Biden. So here's the thing. Some of the things that Joe Biden has already done just are echoes of Obama administration and Obama and Joe and Hillary Clinton and the gang. (laughs) So what they love to do is they love to overthrow governments that don't want to... (laughs) That don't want to be overthrown. Well, they overthrow governments, whether democratically elected or not. Big example being the Ukraine government, which was democratically elected, and they overthrew because those governments don't want to play by the IMF's rules. The IMF is the International Monetary Fund, which is basically the the U.S.'s international lending bank. So people like Biden and Hillary Clinton, they are on boards with these people. Like they, these are this is their group, their network of people. And if these countries don't do make the economic reforms that the IMF wants, basically privatizing um, natural resource mining, for example, natural gas mining in Ukraine was the big thing, then they won't lend these they won't give these countries money and these countries can't run their economies and can't, you know, can't function because these are not productive countries yet. And so then they want to turn to Russia because Russia will give them the money. And that's when we step in, overthrow their government, and put in new people who will play by the IMF's rules. Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. I'm going to try and keep this one a little short. I'll probably fail, but at least shorter than the last one anyway. So what source is Andy using when he says the U.S. just overthrows any regime that doesn't play nice with the IMF? It turns out a lot. Like, a lot. Like, way, way too many. I asked him for some sources, and he just kept on sending them, well after I could continue using them. So you know the drill. Doobly-doo. Anyway, so what they do is... The IMF slash World Bank lends massive amounts of money to these developing countries. And when they can't pay them back, they force them to implement reforms 
to privatize national industries, especially valuable resource industries. And then one day he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. And if they resist and turn to Russia or China, we overthrow them and replace them with whoever we want. Ukraine's the simplest version of this. Let's meet Victoria Newland, Assistant Secretary of State at the time, and as we speak, currently serving as Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs. Let's also meet Jeffrey Pyatt, U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine at the time and current Ambassador to Greece. They had a fun little phone call about overthrowing the Ukrainian government that ended up being leaked. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tani Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. You know, I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. Okay, good. I can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this. That when I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki Moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the U.N. help glue it and, you know, f*** the EU. I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other, the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. Right. Thanks. So okay. Biden's willing. Biden's willing. Biden's willing. So that doesn't sound good for Victoria Newland, Jeffrey Pyatt, or Joe Biden, but at least no one lost their jobs or was held accountable in any way. And the Ukrainian government was, in fact, overthrown. Great job, everybody. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. They, they just like, as if nothing ever happened, as if they, they did not miss a beat from Obama straight to Biden with this. As though there was, like, this four-year... Sure. Four years of just, they were just blacked out, drunk, but now they just snap back to and they're just, this is all, it's amazing that they've already been doing this in Syria and Belarus and there's Venezuela, although to be fair, Trump started that one, that regime change. Um, but like, oy, this is not, this is super bad. Super bad. Right, but this this is what being a a world superpower is. It's an ugly business. Like you know, you don't want to see how the sausage gets made. Um, like obviously, I don't support uh, you know adventurism in other countries and uh, you know violently overthrowing their government. But y you have to look at it like um, you know America would not be the dominant global superpower that it is without 
getting its hands dirty. Like, so you can't really have one without the other. Okay, here's the thing. They, they say that it's to promote democracy, which is bullshit, because they overthrow democratically elected governments and put in their own that, that aren't democratically elected, but they're just stuck there by us because they'll play with us. So can you um, can you start using specifics? Like, wh- which governments are you talking about? Okay, so um, the best example that I can think of of this is Ukraine. And this happened during the Obama administration. Biden was the vice president at the time, obviously, and um, was in charge of this operation. Um, and I am absolutely and utterly terrible with the names of these guys. So I'm going to force Nathan to do a fact check and make sure figure out how to pronounce them. And I'm just going to say this guy and that guy. So so basically, Ukraine is this new democracy, new-ish, and they have this – they've been electing these presidents. Natural gas is a very precious resource. Ukraine uses a lot of it. They live in a cold place, but they also have this virtually untapped, enormous – mess of natural gas Mm -hmm. in their country that american companies just are drooling over and have been for a while so we do love gas and oil here yes so the imf in order to lend money to ukraine to build up their new democracy and establish some you know a, a functioning economy they put all these stipulations and rules in place that ukraine had to follow Ukraine was playing by the rules for a while, but like eventually they're getting screwed there because we're coming in to take their, we're jacking up prices and um, they're privatizing all sorts of industries that are being bought up by American companies to profit and, and, and just extort people in Ukraine because they don't give it yeah. and they'll make money wherever they can. And also, there's this big issue of the natural gas resources that American companies are they're trying to get their hands on. And Ukraine eventually decided, and I don't remember this, pre- I can't, I don't know this president's name. or President Viktor Yanukovych. So um, they turned to Russia. Russia says, well, we'll do, it, we'll do things differently. We'll lend you the money and we won't put these rules on you. You'll just pay us back, you know, instead of them. And this is not welcomed by the the powers that be the world trade syndicate and <laughs> which let's be clear it's not like russia who annexed the ukraine in 2014 had uh, like good intentions when they offered that money they were just trying well, i want to be clear so that does that hasn't happened yet right at this point in the story that's the thing so they so ukraine wants to go play with russia so then there's there's some like huh, rabble rousers in Ukraine. The U.S. basically backs them, gives them military, um, and over helps them overthrow the democratically elected president of, and government in Ukraine. Replaces it with their own people. There's this really interesting leaked phone call. I'll see if we can get a cut of it here in a fact check of this. National Security Advisor talking about discussing with I think a senator at the time. Oh, they're they're debating the options of who they should put in as president and who's gonna who has the like the balance of experience and is gonna do what we want. It's super bad 
And by the way, part of that phone call is she goes, oh, and Biden, Biden's on board with all this. We're good to go. So it's it's really, really bad. So they, they overthrow this government, install their own and and just start puppeting that government. They are at their at their whim. Those people have been put in power. They know who got them there and all this stuff. They get the cooperation they want. And that's when enter Russia to Crimea, Crimea in response to the U.S. meddling in the government that was starting to lean towards Russia. So, like, we, I kind of feel like Russia was, I don't want to say justified in invading Crimea, because you shouldn't invade anybody. But, but like, I don't... (laughs) Would you tell them Crimea River? Got (laughs) him. There it is. Uh, Anyway, so (laughs) the the case of Ukraine, I think, is a really good example of, um, of, first of all, what we're about to see in Ukraine's neighbor, Belarus, <laughs> which, by the way, Congress just passed literal unlimited funding to overthrow the government of Belarus. Nice. We're gonna um, I, I'm going to need a fact check on that. We're going to need so many yeah, fact that's, checks. Yeah, it's part of the, uh, the NDAA that they passed. Um, so anyway, uh, okay. This is the kind of stuff um, – I'm fine with him continuing to be tough on China. The thing is that he's not really that tough on China. Trump wasn't really that tough on China. China is committing literal genocide, and we're not we're not doing anything about that. But uh, Ukraine doesn't want to sell us their gas and natural resources, so we overthrow their government. And I understand that Ukraine and China are not comparable, um, <laughs> but like – it's just so blatantly about money. Over, you know, China's willing to sell us their la- their virtual slave labor, right? Uh, and so we're good with that. Well, we we, we did make a a, a statement um, that uh, you know calling the uh, Uyghur detention genocide. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, that's because former. Was it the National Security Advisor Flynn? I think mm. threw just threw a grenade out as he was walking out the back door of the White House, <laughs> and by tweeting that out. In a last-minute move that will likely further worsen tensions between China and the U.S., outgoing Secretary of State Mike Pompeo tweeted that Beijing's treatment of Uyghur Muslims amounted to genocide and crimes against humanity. And basically, Secretary Blinken decided to just. Jump on the nah, grenade I mean, and go. Right. Yeah, all yeah. right. You know what? I mean, you are so. Well, that's that's the best thing. That's how the Obama administration ended up coming out in favor of gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Biden had one of his little Biden moments. Yeah, he like vomited, did like word vomit. Is like, of course we approve of gay marriage. And you're comfortable with same-sex marriage now? I, I look. I am vice president of the United States of America. Um, the president sets the policy. I am absolutely comfortable with the fact that men marrying men, women marrying women, and heterosexual men and women marrying women are entitled to the same exact rights, all the civil rights, all the civil liberties. And quite frankly, I don't see much of a distinction uh, beyond that. And then Obama had to, like, somebody asked him point blank, he's like... For me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. That, yeah, that is great. <laughs> yeah, I, it is what it is. I 
I think that I have a lot of worries. There, uh, there's a little bit of a, a still, you know, the remnant, I guess, the ghost of Trump going on in our foreign policy. And um, I really was hoping that Biden would stamp that yeah. right out, but he's kind of leaned into right. some of it, quite a bit of it. So I have big, big concerns. So, but what, I want to move for, us on to climate yeah, change. Policy, if there's nothing what's else. your letter grade? Oh, I gave him an F. Um, but to be fair, it's not a zero. It, it's it's an F. But so like sixty percent. Th- well, that's a D. Nah, where but did you go to school, man? Sixty to sixty-nine it is, is a D. Yeah, sixty. Um, sixty and sixty-nine. Nice. 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 Um, but anyway, uh, it's like a, it's, I mean, I don't know, like a 30, 35%. Like there's some good stuff in there. And I think, you know, I don't, I'm glad that they just leaned into the Uyghur thing, but like <laughs> there's a whole bunch of bad and, and promises to get worse. So I, I just want to be clear here. An F is below 65, 65 to 66 is a D 67 to 69 is a D plus. So in your face. Um, where where did you not where did schools. you find that? Are you fact checking this from your own memory? Uh, this is from uh, collegeboard.org. Oh, okay. So they're wrong. So cool. Well, not that's not the way it worked in my school. So at any rate, I want to shift gears here to the last of the five categories that I included here, uh, which is climate change. So we rejoined the Paris Accords, the Paris Climate Agreement. We did that almost immediately. Kudos. Cool. That is unbelievable that we ever left that but sadly very right it's like Um, another one of those things where like i don't feel proud about it i feel like there's there's this line from the simpsons i feel so full of what's the opposite of shame pride no not that far from shame less shame yeah 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 um yeah that that's, that's i feel less shame Spot on. Um, so, all right, he just had this big climate summit, and he made this big, big promise that he, the U.S. is going to have its 2005 emissions by 2030. Um, so that's a 25-year span where we'll, he's, he wants us to have the emissions from 2025. Um, by 2030, which is only 10 years from – nine years from yeah. now. Oh, my God. So – Cool. Okay. Um, he's got to get the legislation passed to make it happen. And the general consensus that I've been hearing, maybe this is different from what you guys have heard, but what I keep hearing is it's unrealistically ambitious and equally insufficient to actually (laughs) impact anything anyway. So like, we're never going to be able to do it, but even if we did, it wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't be enough. It's like, this so radical like, plan isn't nearly uh, radical enough to have any effect whatsoever. Jesus Christ. I So, like, I don't know, man. I think, like, what do you think is more likely, that, that we will have accomplished that goal or even better by 2030? Or that we'll, we'll be recording this podcast from Mars in 2030? <laughs> well, can we, can we just buy carbon offsets? Can we just, like, have somebody else do it? Because, like, I don't think having our emissions... Like uh, that's 
that's not happening. Like, we're not going to do that. I am very much looking forward to... So one of the big focuses that he's doing is on electrifying America's vehicular addiction. Great. Which I am super into, and I'm very already excited. Like, there's a bunch of really awesome electric, like, trucks and SUVs out there that are awesome. They're, the What was it? The Tesla truck, like, towed an F-150? Yeah. Up a, up like, a hill. holy dude. Uh, yeah. Up, yeah. I mean, that's badass. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, really cool stuff happening in technology. So I think by making, you know, depending on what these investments look like, if you make that the newer, better, cheaper, easier, cleaner technology also cheaper and more accessible, then it's a lot easier to get people to do it. America, I don't care. Like, there's going to be some redneck who's like, I have a, a diesel truck till I die. But <laughs> most people are like, are going to be like, well, it works just as well, and you're making it cheap. So, yeah, sure, why right. not? Like, most people won't care. I, I, like, I said this same thing in our debate episode, but uh, the economy mm. is significantly slash not at all important compared to the environment. So I am I don't give a about the economy. The only reason we can't get this done is because people are concerned about the economy. So I I don't give a fix fix the environment, then we'll worry about the economy. Right. I get. I mean I I don't disagree that like prioritize like yeah the the world we live in over like our but also I think in terms of like. We have so much more at our disposal to adjust economic trends. Mm -hmm. We have so much available there that there's just no reason why we wouldn't put in the work to fix the economy and deal with any economic... Like, we can deal with that. It's fine. We know what to do. If we could, I'd be all on board. But we clearly can't. Yeah. So, anyway, I gave him a a C-plus here. I, he hasn't done much it's, so far. It's really just been words. He has promised a lot. Um, great, but <laughs> rubber meets the road. Not to play on the uh, that whole thing, the car thing. But um, so far, there hasn't. We haven't seen any actual major action. So my hope is that this grade will be spiking. Very soon and by well, a lot. Oh my goodness! But right now, I can't give him much credit for saying the right. I think he's. I think he's going to bump up against reality with with the addiction that we have to all of our modern amenities, all of our driving and the food we eat, and how far we take the food that we eat, all the stuff we get shipped from all over the world, all the trucking that we do. So, like, it would be great to see to see some progress done on this, but I'm, I'm not particularly hopeful. Right. All right. What's his, what's his letter grade? Uh, like I said, I gave him a okay, C plus. Right. Cool. All right. Well, well, we speed, speed ran those last two topics. Didn't we? Can I tell you my overall grade for Biden so far? First hundred days. My overall grade sure. is precious moments. Precious moments. Nice. Good. I was going to say a low C, but okay. <laughs> Right. Also, also low C. Yes. Uh, low. <laughs> so I have. C-Lo I have a quick one. Uh, 
sort of along the lines of the review I found for my microwave on, <laughs> on Amazon, I want to talk about, I am a member of a group for my city on Facebook. And so, like, people asking questions like, did people just hear fireworks or, like, my dog's lost or whatever. And I saw we we were having trouble um, during the during election time where people were coming through and stealing either Biden or Trump signs out of people's yards. And like, it's really disappointing that people would, that people would do that. Um, and we, somebody posted something earlier this week that uh, a couple in my neighborhood had a uh, pride flag out in front of their house and that pride flag was stolen. And it made me think, like, like with the with the Biden stuff and the the Trump uh, signs, like, it made me feel like, all right, maybe somebody's driving through the neighborhood who doesn't live here, and is like, like I was hoping beyond hope that this is, was not one of my neighbors, and I like stealing a stealing a pride flag like that. Just like it killed me. It like I felt terrible about the place that i live until two days later when i get a notification that there's been an update it says update found question mark exclamation point i think a large raccoon stole our flag and has it in a nest in our oak tree (laughs) And, (laughs) and so they showed pictures of a little like colorful flag in this tree with all these like raccoons like staring down at them intently and people started making their own like memes inside of this like people from my community of like a rainbow flag with a raccoon in front of it, holding a bag of Doritos and smoking some weed. Uh, like just, just like all this different stuff. And it made me so very happy. Uh, somebody else in the neighborhood <laughs> bought them a replacement flag as a gift. And it was just, it was really nice. So I don't know if my faith in humanity is restored. I guess like I'm all on board for gay raccoons. So anyway, that's my precious moment from this week. Well, I mean, and for all you know, maybe he's just an ally, you know? Right. Like, M- maybe they're homophobic, flag-stealing raccoons. Uh, I mean, y- your initial oh. issue was somebody going around stealing flags and you found the culprit. <laughs> if we go up that tree and we find a bunch of, like, Trump and Biden signs, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> it's, uh, sometimes I hate living in Ohio. Um... I've seen a few bumper stickers that are very, very not tasteful, anti, <laughs> like, anti-Biden and hair. Like, uh, sure. there's the Joe and the sticker, which is just unbelievable. And, um, and I, the the best part, and I think I'm just going to go ahead and make this my precious moment, even though it's really just a piggyback sure. on yours. But I saw, I saw this bumper sticker the other day. It said... Not my president, Joe, and Joe Biden had, like, the Joe Biden uh-huh. logo. And, like, this time four years ago, that was the subject of ridicule from that exact same person. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like, I, I just, <laughs> I don't have, I can't make words because I don't, 
understand the brain of a person like that. Like, I just... The hypocrisy? I, is that a word? How do you not see it in yourself? How, how do you have so little self-awareness to not even think, huh, this is the exact phrase that I mocked and my friends mocked four years ago. It's just, like, you know, (laughs) just to ruin your your restored faith in humanity there. Anyway, yeah, and that's that's my my new precious moment. These people are not, like, no... Uh, uh, A lack of awareness on the part of conservatives? Wow, what a new and interesting take. No, but I just, you know, it's... we were talking about like unity earlier and like and how the democrats like basically saying well we offered but we have to do what we have to do with or without you like and the republicans in congress literally like they are just totally doing their own thing they know what the democrats are going to do the democrats are pretty predictable and they just they know that their audience is not going to pay any attention to <laughs> right. anything except for what they tell yeah. them. And it's it's really, I mean, it's disturbing, but it's also like, it's so science fiction-y that like, it makes you want to do an episode about science fiction. Oh, we fiction. should do an episode about that. Bazinga! Well, so I have a couple of quick ones. Um, so first of all, I just put a meme up in our Be the Dead Source uh, Discord, um, and that meme is <laughs> going to be my precious moment. We can put it in the doobly doo. It's Joe Biden, Absolutely. and it says uh, Marlo- "Malarkey detected." It's got uh, some eye lasers, and I think that they've edited his his face and smile. His smile is like disturbingly <laughs> wide, and uh, oh yeah, so <laughs> it's like he sucked in some of that Joker smoke from the first Batman movie. Well, from the first Keaton Batman movie. Ah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that meme brought me a lot of joy. And then the other precious moment that I have is one of my friends is actually going through rehab. I don't know his real name, but Large Midget is his Discord user tag. <laughs> okay. And uh, he's going through rehab, uh, and he's going to be listening okay. to the podcast. So hi, Large Midget. I wanted to give hey, him a, a shout-out. And uh, Good for you, man. Hello. Even if we don't always agree with all of your decisions, we still love and support you as a person, and I hope that you get through this you know, healthy and happier and uh, that everything works out for you, bud. So yeah, shout out to large, shout out to large midget. Oh, brother, listen, man, I, um, not to, you know, go too much down this rabbit hole, but I think I've mentioned it. You'll probably hear me mention it a couple times on previous podcasts, but like I, um, I, I spent two and a half years in AA being sober and, uh, I still, you just defeated the purpose of the anonymous part. (laughs) Well, first of all, I'm not. I'm no longer in AA, but also, second of all, I Uh-oh. can say that. It's not... That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's not fair. what okay. it means. It means that it's a safe place that you can go and, like, I'm not going to go and say, oh, and so-and-so mm, yeah. is there. Right. That's what it means. I can right, talk right. about myself. But 
I, I know I know a lot of people still who who are still sober who have years and years of sobriety. It's it's great stuff, and I'll tell you, even though I I'm not sober anymore myself, I I still keep the books around. I still do check out some of the readings and stuff from time to time. It's it's a wonderful program, and I strongly recommend it to anyone who uh, might who thinks they might even benefit a little well, bit I mean, from it. I, I just want to say I think it's really brave what you're doing, and stay strong, man. Good for you. Yeah. Cool. All right. Oh, there was one more thing. He, he wanted me to say that um, Joe Biden's administrations made his farts smell worse uh, mm. since Biden's been in office. Yeah. That holds up. Um, his farts do, do smell worse. Uh, worse worse than they smell on apple Yeah, juice. don't worry, man. Uh, once Biden takes away your meat... Uh, it'll be uh, right back to normal. <laughs> Can I tell you, I, I've been doing, I've been, I'm getting better at being closer to vegetarian. Nice. Good for you. Oh, uh, well then, uh, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. I uh, hope we gave you something to think about. Love you, bye. Bye. Here's the thing. I'm going to level with you. It's super late and I'm just finishing editing this thing. And I want to go to bed, but I couldn't leave you without everyone's favorite segment. The part where we tell you to go to Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. Anybody wants to start that thing, I'm right behind you. Um, any complaints you may have, please send them to patreon.com slash source. There's a small monthly sign-up fee to submit complaints but I assure you it's 100% worth it. Um, but other than that, I just want to say uh, we love you, and uh, seriously, thanks for listening. Um, now, enjoy the flintle. Hey, guys, let me uh, propose something real quick. Why don't we do this? I will edit around the whole part where I say, this is a mini and we will go ahead and do a how was your week and a precious moment and we have next week's episode. <laughs>